Blog Talk Radio. Well, folks, I am back, back off my vacation, had a great time. Let's just say that uh, uh, on this trip, I saw a lot of stone. Uh, I have videos and photographs uh, posted if you want to see where I went and some of the stuff that I saw on my Facebook page. Just simply type in Stone Forensic in the search engine on Facebook. It'll take you right to my page, and you can see some of the video and some of the uh, photographs that I've posted up there. Okay, before we get started, we're going to talk today about the crystallization process as well as polishing in general. Uh, very controversial topic, has been for years. I'll get into that in a second, but before I do, I wanted to mention one more time uh, that my upcoming stone tile and troubleshooting inspection class is coming up in Las Vegas in January. Uh, I've got a few spots left. If you want to sign up, uh, you go to uh, stoneforensics.com, take a look at the training tab there. And uh, if you want to sign up, just go ahead and give me a call on my cell, uh, which is listed there, but I'll also give it out now, which is 321-514-6845. And also, if you have any questions concerning uh, concerning the seminar. It's, it's a great class. I've been doing it for years. Everybody enjoys it. Actually, there's some testimonials on <clears throat> on the website itself. Okay, if you want to call in today, the number is 323-870-3968. That's 323-870-3968. And hopefully, uh, we've ironed out all the technical problems that we've had the last, last couple of shows before I went on vacation. So uh, we'll see if it works out. But if you want to call in, if you want to send an email, it's fhuston, F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N at gmail.com. I have my email open. Or go ahead and send me a, a text message, if you will, to 321 514 6845. Okay, let's talk about what we call crystallization, recrystallization, uh, also called vitrification, and sometimes it's called marble polishing. Uh, as a matter of fact, I, I've, I've saw several products out there that are crystallization products that are not even labeled. Um, crystallization they're labeled just marble polishing so people don't know what they are and we're going to get into that in a minute as to how you can tell whether you're dealing with crystallization as well as a a, a slew of other questions that I've gotten over the years as well as via email uh this show was actually suggested by one of the listeners wanted to know more about it so before we get started let's talk about polishing in general you know, why does stone polish? Why, when we look at a piece of highly polished stone, whether it's marble, granite, or whatever it is, why do we get that, that shine? And it, it's fairly simple. It's, it's nothing more than what we call optics. And the best way to describe this or to explain what I mean by that is let's go fishing. So imagine you're sitting on a lake, and you're out there in this little rowboat in the middle of the lake, and it's a very, very windy day. If you look overboard and you look at your, your reflection in, your, in the water, you won't see your reflection. Why? Because it's very, very wavy. That basically is a rough piece of stone. It's a honed piece of stone, if you will, uh, an unpolished piece of stone. It's very, 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 very wavy. So what happens optically when the light rays hit the surface of that water, or in this case, the unpolished stone, the rays deflect in all kinds of 
weird patterns and you don't see a reflective shine. Now, let's go back to that same lake. Now it's a calm day. No wind whatsoever. It's perfectly flat, what us fishermen like to call like glass-like. You look overboard, and now you can see everything clearly. You can see the birds flying by. You can see the outline of the boat. You can see your face in the water. That's all we're doing when we polish stone is we're smoothing it out. Now, there are several ways to smooth it out. There's abrasives, which many of you are used to, to using, whether it's a diamond abrasive, a silicon carbide abrasive, a brick, a, a piece of sandpaper. All we're doing is smoothing it. If you get it smooth enough, you end up getting a nice, highly polished finish. You can do it chemically. And chemically, it can be done uh, with the crystallization process that we're going, going to look at, which also flattens out those rough edges. You can do it with the traditional polishing powders uh, or gels, which are nothing more than abrasives and oxalic acid. And I'll get into that in a minute, how that works. Uh, or you can fill it in with a coating, with a, with a wax, if you will, which basically fills in those highs and lows and gives you that same flat, high sheen, sheen look. So when it comes to polishing stone, that's all we're doing. Whether we're dealing with marble, whether we're doing granite, limestone, or even glass for that matter, and concrete, we're just making it smooth. Okay, how we achieve that smoothness is where the different techniques and some of the controversial um, processes that I'm going to talk about. So let's talk about each one of those in a little bit of detail. The first one being is coatings. These are your typical waxes, whether they're acrylics, thermal plastics, or whatever. And all they basically do is sit on the surface of the stone and fill the low areas. So now you have a flat surface. You know, imagine uh, if you were to pour water on an on a, on unpolished stone, you get that shine. That's what these coatings are doing, is they're just coating the surface of, of the stone. And there's some issues with coatings. Uh, there's some problems with coatings that we'll get into in a minute. But for, right, for our purposes right now, we want to look at just how they achieve the polish on the stone. Okay, the second way to do it is what we call traditional polishing powders, which I had mentioned in a minute. There's these powders are abrasives, generally aluminum oxide, but they could also be tin oxide, and they contain oxalic acid. Now, why the acid? Um, now, first, let's me back up a little bit and explain that when we're talking about oxalic acid and polishing powders, we are talking about marble polishing or limestone polishing, not granite. And why? Well, if you go back to Geology 101, you know that acids react with calcium, and calcium is what you find in marble and limestone. You don't find calcium generally in granite, so you, you're not going to get the same reaction I'm going to explain. So basically what happens with the polishing powder, you have the abrasive, the uh, aluminum oxide, and you have the oxalic acid. As the abrasive is smoothing or attempting to smooth the surface of the, of the stone, the oxalic acid is attacking. It's, it's attacking the calcium in the, in the stone, in, in the marble or the limestone. And it's, it, it's, the best way to explain it is control, controlled destruction. It's actually smoothing it out. Now, it's not melting it per se. If you want to think of it as maybe a softening of the calcium so it allows it to flow, you, you think of that. If you think of it that way, it gives you a little bit better uh, description of what we're talking about. So it kind of flows it out, and then you, you, know, you vacuum it up, you, you rinse it, and the oxalic acid is gone, and now you have a polished, polished floor. That's how you're 
marble polishes, your limestone polishes, or polishes that contain uh, oxalic, acid, oxalic acid work. Now, let's talk about how the crystallization process works. Uh, but before I do, let me, let me throw the phone numbers out there one more time. Uh, if you have a question about anything to do with this process or anything for that matter, the phone numbers are 323-870-3968. That's 323-870-3968. And of course, uh, I gave out my email, which is fhouston at gmail.com. That's F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N at gmail.com. Or again, my, uh, um, my, um, text message on my cell phone, which is 321-514-6845. So let's go ahead and talk a little bit about, well, let's talk a lot about the crystallization process. But before I do, I notice I do have a caller coming in. Let me go ahead and uh, and take this caller and see what the question is. Oh, it's going to take a second. Hi, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. What is your name? My name is Kathy. How are you? Hey, Kathy, and you had a question concerning anything to do with stone, I guess? Yeah, I have a question. How are you today? I'm doing great. All right. My question is, I've heard that the use of hot powders can burn a stone. What is a hot powder? Uh, Actually, that's a good question, and I've gotten that question many times. Uh, The hot hot powder is usually a a description that tradesmen or craftspeople usually to describe a powder that has a lot of oxalic acid in it. In other words, there's a lot of oxalic acid. Uh, Some powders uh, can have as much as 90% or more oxalic acid. As a matter of fact, I've had, I've known uh, craftspeople who have actually used straight oxalic acid uh, to polish with. I don't recommend that, but it, it can be used. So that's what they mean when they talk about a hot powder or a cold powder. And of course, what happens with hot powders is you can get a condition known as orange peeling, which is where you end up polishing too much with the acid and you end up getting little dimples that looks like a rind of an orange, uh, hence the term orange peeling. Uh, the way to fix that, obviously, is to, is to rehone it back off. Uh, so does that answer your question, Kathy? Yeah, that sure does. All right, great. Thank you very much. Thank you for the call. Thank you much. All righty, you have a great day. All right, so let's get back to a great question. Um, I get that question all the time about, you know, what do you look for in polishing powders before we get to recrystallization? Let me explain that a little bit more is that, you know, if you, if you go to your major distributors, you're going to see all kinds of polishing powders from 5X to uh, their own off-brands, own private label brands. W- what are the differences? And the differences generally are the amount of oxalic acid they contain. Again, as I, I told Kathy there, the higher the content of oxalic acid, the hotter the powders. You're probably going to use less. And the less oxalic acid, you're probably going to use more. So uh, knowing the percentage of oxalic acid in your powders is going to help. Now, I don't want to get too technical or too detailed here, but um, if you look at a safety data sheet for your uh, marble polishes and you see the word potassium oxalate, that is a salt of oxalic acid. So it's the same thing as oxalic acid. So if if you see the word oxalate, whether it's potassium oxalate or whatever oxalate, or it just might say oxalic acid on there, you're dealing with oxalic acid. So uh, hopefully that'll help you choose the proper polishing powders. 
Okay, let's delve into what recrystallization is. For those of you new to this and have never seen the process, let me describe what the process is. Basically, you'll see uh, an operator, a craftsperson with a floor machine, your, your standard janitorial floor machine. On the bottom of it, they will have a piece of steel wool, and the steel wool will be buffed across the marble surface, and they'll have a little bottle with, with a liquid in it. That little liquid is known as the crystallization fluid. And basically, they'll spray it on there. They'll buff it in until it becomes dry, producing a shine. That's how the process is done. Now, what happens chemically to the, to the stone is this. That particular fluid has three main ingredients in it. Like polishing powders, it has an acid. Uh, some of the acids, it can be, have phosphoric acid in there. I've seen hydrofluoric acid used in them, any number of acids in there. They also have what is called a compound known as a fluoro, to that in a minute, but it's called a fluorosilicate. And there's varieties of fluorosilicates. There's aluminum fluorosilicate. There's magnesium fluorosilicate. And, you know, there's, there's different forms of fluorosilicate. And then it also has what they call a microcrystalline wax. Uh, a wax for you lay people out there that, that don't know what microcrystalline waxes are. So basically what you're doing when you're crystallizing a floor is you're spraying this fluid. What happens is the acid immediately tries to etch the stone. It attacks the calcium, just like the oxalic acid did in the polishing powder example I gave a minute ago. But now what happens is the steel wool acts as a catalyst. It generates the heat, which now takes that compound that I called a fluorosilicate and binds it to the calcium. So you end up with a new compound on the surface of the stone called a calcium fluorosilicate molecule. Um, so you end up with a new product on the surface of the stone. Okay. As opposed to the polishing powder example, the traditional polishing powders where the oxalic acid attacks the calcium, melts it, if you will, although it really doesn't do that, but, from a visual standpoint, it melts it, you vac it away, and the acid's gone. With the recrystallization process, everything is still there. You're just changing the calcium that's in there, the calcium carbonate's in there now to a, a surface that's locked, a, a compound that's locked in to the surface of, of the stone. Uh, instead of sitting on there like a wax, or instead of smoothing out the calcium, it, it has a new compound sitting on the surface. That's a fact. There's no controversy with what I just described. Uh, the crystallization people that manufacture these products will tell you the same exact things, hopefully, because that's the truth. I mean, that's chemically uh, what happens. Here's where the controversy comes into play. The controversy comes into play is does that new compound, the calcium fluorosilicate, block the breathing capability of the stone? And, you know, there's pros and cons. Uh, those of you that know me know that back in 1989, 1990, I wrote an article uh, in one of the trade journals that was about recrystallization, and it wasn't a pro-recrystallization article. It was a very negative uh, article on recrystallization. And today, my, my opinion, what is that, 30 years later, pretty much stands the same, and I'll, I'll explain why in a minute. So you have the pro side of it says that, you know, the crystallization is the, is a great product. It's easy to use. Uh, you don't need a wet vac because it's now sort of a dry process. Uh, it adds slip resistance to the floor. It adds a shine to it. That's actually harder than the stone stone itself. The negative side of it basically says none of that is really true, except for maybe the slip resistance issue. Um, 
but it doesn't allow the stone to breathe. So let's look at that. Let's look at why is it that we need the stone to breathe? Why is that so important? Hey, I've been told, Fred, it's a rock. It's in the ground. It sits out there. It's not, it's not breathing uh, in the ground, is it? And of course, it's not breathing in the ground. But what happens is we're taking this rock. We're taking it out of the ground. We're slicing it. We're dicing it. We're putting it into a form. It's not used to being in nature, a square, if you will, or a tile. And we're putting it on a floor on top of something that's not used to being on, a setting material, which is basically concrete. Well, when you put that tile on a surface like a concrete floor or a concrete slab or whatever, uh, you have moisture that's going to want to continue to transpire through that stone. In other words, it's going to want to wick. And I don't care whether you're in Arizona or, 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 or a rainy climate like, like Florida, it's still going to have moisture in that stone. It's going to want to escape. The controversy comes in is does that allow to breathe? It's my opinion that it does not allow it to breathe. Now, this is, this is where it gets very controversial and i i will defend uh my position simply because uh i've seen it i've seen it destroy floors i've actually performed the experiments where i've crystallized floors crystallized set up little experiments crystallized them done vapor emission tests and without a doubt it blocks the breathing of of, of the surface which can be a problem now the pro side of that will say well that only happens if you crystallize a lot. And that's somewhat true. I mean, there are techniques where you can go into a floor and crystallize it. Say this, say you're doing it once a week. You go in and crystallize it this week, and next week you go back and you use a traditional polishing method. So you're not allowing that crystallization product to, to, uh, to destroy the floor. Now, I will say I have seen floors that have been damaged from a one-time use. It's rare, but it can happen. Where I see the most damage is when it's this particular product is overused. And the problem with that is simply because it's, and, and I don't want to offend anybody, but basically you can teach a monkey <laughs> to, to recruit. If they can operate a machine, you can, teach them, you can teach them how to crystallize. So I will say that in the 30 years that I've been uh, a proponent. I, I feel like the Ralph Nader of the stone industry. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm blowing the whistle on the on these guys, but it, it's funny because you know, back when I first blew the whistle, so to speak, in the ni- early 19, 1990s, uh, everybody was using it. I mean, it was being used in casinos, and it still is, but not so much as it used to be used. There are there are some people who are listening and ha- have seen the results of that. What's real interesting is none of the crystallization manufacturers out there have come up with a study to prove otherwise, which is kind of interesting. You would think if I'm wrong, and I will admit I'm wrong if I'm wrong, that they would come up with a study that said, hey, you know, we've, we've shown that this is not the case. Now, back around the early 90s, shortly after my article came out, there was a company that did an experiment that claimed it, it breathed, but it breathed through the cracks and through the grout. Well, uh, well this isn't public radio, so I'll just use the word, it's bullshit. <laughs> it, it doesn't. And when you crystallize, you crystallize the grout, you crystallize everything, and it does block It does block the breathing. So uh, I actually did a video. If you all want to go to YouTube and type in crystallization in my name, Fred Houston, H-U-E-S-T-O-N, uh, I did this video, I don't know, five or six years ago with uh, my buddy David Bonacera where I described this, uh, this, this process uh, again. I still have the article available. 
Uh, so if any of you uh, want a copy of the article, I'll be more than happy uh, to email you a copy. Just send me an email to F Houston. That's F H U E S T O N at gmail.com. Okay. So that's my opinion. Uh, I think it's a sound opinion. I think it's based on scientific fact. It's not just, you know, this is what I think. Uh, it's, it's, it's based on, uh, you know, not only intelligent, I wouldn't even call it intelligent guessing. It's based on fact as far as I'm, I'm concerned. Prove me otherwise. All right. Now, I want to get to some a few other questions that I got in via email about this particular process. And one was very interesting. And I, and I kind of hesitate uh, at times of, uh, of mentioning this because it, it, I don't want to alert or scare anybody. But what is the health warnings when it comes to using crystallization. Well, remember you're using steel wool. Steel wool alone without the crystallization fluid is a hazard. It produces a very, very fine steel wool fiber that if you're an operator and you're doing this every night and you're breathing in that steel wool fiber, you know, ask any, any doctor uh, that deals with lung issues, you can end up with lung problems. Uh, now you combine that steel wool with the crystallization fluid, you can produce a harmful gas that you're also breathing in. So it actually becomes a very uh, harmful process to use on a continuous basis. Probably not going to be that harmful for someone just using it occasionally, but if you're using it day in and day out, it was definitely considered a health problem. As a matter of fact, I remember back in the day, you know, 1989, 1990, there was a big company out there that was a, a janitorial company for major airports, and they were advertising this brand new fancy crystallization process. And, and I wish I had this to this day, but on their brochure, there was an eight and a half by 11 full colored brochure. And in the middle of the brochure, they show this gentleman crystallizing a floor in an airport somewhere and he's in a full spacesuit. I mean, he's covered and head to toe with a separate breathing apparatus crystallizing the floor. So way back then they knew how dangerous uh, this particular process, uh, particular process can, can be. So, you know, again, uh, you have to be extremely careful. I'm not a fan of it. Uh, and I, I say this all the time. I can take the best crystallizer in the world and put them up against a mediocre someone who, who can polish with traditional polishing methods, and you can achieve a polish just as fast, if not faster, than the recrystallization process. So I, I you know, and, and it goes back to okay, but with the traditional methods, you need a wet vac, you need a mop and bucket, you need water. It's a sloppy process. Okay, so what? Uh, you cordon off areas and you do sections at a time. With the recrystallization process, you've got these seable fibers flying in the air. Um, you've got the the reaction of the the acids against the steel wool fibers, which which can be a real a real pain in the pain a pain in the butt. Um, so I mean that that that's my opinion. Now, in the very beginning of the show, I had mentioned you know how do we tell it's crystallization fluid. If someone sells you a fluid and it's pink, cream, beige in color, it's probably crystallization, but the one surefire way to know is to look at a safety data sheet. Look at the ingredient section and it will say something fluorosilicate. It may say magnesium fluorosilicate, aluminum fluorosilicate, or whatever. Now, for you guys listening that actually do densifying with concrete, that's a whole different ballgame. 
uh, it's a, a whole different ball game altogether. You're densifying, you're consolidating, you're not crystallizing and creating a, 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 a brittle surface on, on the surface of the, the marble or the limestone like you are with the process that I, I'm describing. And, and by the way, crystallization, the word crystallization, the word recrystallization, that's not happening. You're not creating crystals. So it's, it's basically a marketing term. Uh, you know, after I, I, I bashed that, that term back, back in the 90s, they came out with the word vitrification, which if you look up that word in a dictionary, it just simply means to make like glass, okay? We do the same thing with our traditional, our traditional uh, uh, polishes. All right, I want to talk about a little bit about where I would use crystallization. After I've done all this bashing, you may ask, well, Fred, wait a minute. Now you're going to talk about where you would use it? And yes, but let me give out the phone number one more time in case anybody has uh, any questions. The number is 323-870-3968. That's 323-870-3968. All right. Where I would use crystallization or the actual fluid for crystallization is if I'm going to polish granite and particularly black absolute. Okay. Wait a minute, Fred, time out. You just said, if I understand you correctly, that the crystallization process works because it attacks the calcium and the marble and the limestone, right? And I'm, my answer to that is yes. So why do we use it on granite when granite for the most part doesn't have any calcium? Well, the, the simp it's very simple. Uh, let me describe how you would polish, put the final polish on black absolute to get the color back using crystallization process. First of all, you're going to use a polishing powder. You're generally going to use a black tin oxide, or in other words, a black granite polishing, which contains an oxalic acid. And instead of water, you're going to use crystallization fluid and steel wool. Now, what the crystallization fluid here does is two things. It serves as a lubricant that works better than water. And remember those microcrystalline waxes I had mentioned in the very beginning when I described it? It, it actually helps to lubricate it and puts a thin layer on there as well. Not, not a big, big layer. So you, you're really not getting the same type of reaction on granite as you are with marble or limestone. So, I mean, that's a technique uh, I used many, many years ago and have passed it on to a lot of craftspeople out there. And the guys that are using it, if you want to call them, back me up and tell me that's the process you use. I mean, there are other ways of polished granite, obviously. Uh, you can use lead and felt wheels. Uh, there are some good polishing powders out there that are now being used. So there's, there's many other, other techniques. But for the most part, polishing stone uh, has been around forever. <laughs> I mean, since uh, ancient times when they've used, uh, you know, uh, rope and, and, and hemp and uh, not just the kind you smoke, but, uh, you know, uh, hemp rope to, to polish, uh, which, by the way, I've used. I actually made a hemp pad many years ago um, using uh, hemp rope. It works really well if you guys want to try 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 making one. Um, but anyway, uh, with polishing granite, that that's why you would use the uh, the crystal the crystallization uh, uh, process. Um, that's really the only place I would really recommend using it. Now I know some of you guys out there that are using it, saying, "Well, Fred, I only use it once. Is that really a harmful?" And I would say. You you might be able to get away with that. I mean, I wouldn't use it. Uh, back when I was I had my restoration company, I I would never use it, other than in the situation that I just described. Now, what about slip resistance? 
you know, is slip resistance, does the crystallization fluid, uh, you know, does it add slip resistance? And the answer to that is yes, but so does traditional polishes. Uh, you know, if any of the floors that I've ever polished or colleagues that ever polished and uh, have used, say, the 5X powder, for example, and uh, have done a slip reading right after they've done polishing, it's safe. Uh, you know, so I don't know where the issue comes in with people thinking, well, I guess, you know, I can do a whole show on the slip resistance issue, but I guess it's because the floor is so, so shiny. You know, another thing I don't like about overuse, especially overuse and buildup of crystallization fluids is that after a while, the floor looks like it's plastic. It gets that wavy plasticky look and it no longer has that, that nice, sharp, what I call, you know, 10 foot shine that exists. Now, I've seen very sensitive stones like Negro Marquina that can almost be eaten away the first time you use crystallization. Uh, another downside to that process is the floor has to be dry. If you have any moisture there, for example, let's say you're going in and you're honing a floor, you're using lots of water, you usually can't crystallize right away. You have to dry that floor out. With traditional polishes, you can polish right away. You can use a traditional you know, 5X polish as opposed to the crystallization fluid. Uh, if you start polishing or crystallizing, I should say, with materials such as uh, Thassos White or some of the white Carreras, you can actually get it yellowing. And the yellowing is generally caused by the microcrystalline waxes. Um, I, I've seen uh, it I've also turn gray as well, usually because of the, uh, the, the steel wool bleeding and the acids breaking down the, uh, the, the, the whatever's in the steel wool besides the steel that actually breaks it down. Uh, generally, it's rust. And sometimes, sometimes your steel wool pads can get rust on them that's not very visible. So, you know, you could have a steel wool pad that, uh, that has a lot of iron content that's not, sh not visibly showing, and then you put the crystallization fluid on there, and all of a sudden you're getting a gray floor, and you're scratching your head wondering what the heck is going on, you know, or what am I doing? So, you know, in a nutshell, uh, unless anybody has any specific questions, again, the phone number is 323-2387039368, or... As I said, send me a uh, an email at fhuston at gmail.com. That's F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N at gmail.com. And uh, I'll be more than happy to answer your questions. Again, uh, if you want a copy of the article, uh, go ahead and send me an email. And I'll be more than happy to send you a copy, no cost to you, uh, of, the, of the email. All right. I guess since there's no additional calls coming in. I'm going to go ahead and wrap things up. But before I do, uh, let me mention one more time, uh, for those of you that are interested in the upcoming uh, Stone Inspection and Troubleshooting Seminar, uh, what I just, the little lecture I just gave you is one example of, of how detailed we get into some of, the, some of the topics we talk about when it comes to stone and tile installation failures, uh, polishing failures. I mean, it, it's not only for you guys that are doing failure analysis, but also for your restoration contractors, fabricators, um, you know, even architects and engineers you can all benefit from a, uh, from a class uh, like this. But then again, um, my website, stoneforensics.com, go to the training tab. You can read all about it or just simply give me a call or send me an email. I'll be more than happy to answer your questions. I will accept payments on the class. Uh, I know some of you are, you know, kind of have a tight budget. So, you know, if, if you want to send me an email or give me a call, I'll tell you what the payment plan will be. Um, you know, the, the class size is limited. Uh, only accepting a, a, few, a few people for the class. I, I'll, I'll max it out at about eight people. 
so, uh, and it's, it's, I'm starting to get lots of calls on it right now. So I would say if you want to sign up for it, it's being held in January. It's at the same time as the stone show out there is. Uh, it's not at the stone show. It's at a different location. It's actually at a fabricator's uh, friend of mine. Uh, but you will have time to go to the show. Uh, I, we go on a live inspection on Wednesday, I believe it's Wednesday, uh, in the morning and you have all afternoon to do the show and part of the day on Thursday also to do the show. So you won't be missing, you won't be missing the show at all. So you can come to the seminar and do the show. All right. I think I'm going to wrap things up. It's great to be back. I will see everybody next week. Same time, same station. In the meantime, if you have any questions, uh, feel free to send me an email, uh, send me a text message or whoever you want to contact me and everyone have a great weekend. Okay, hopefully.